Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Clint Emerson, and welcome to season two of Can You Survive This Podcast, where the interview is just as dangerous as the scenarios I put my guests through. From hostage situations to natural disasters, carjackings, active shooters, and more, if you're looking for the skills necessary to survive these situations, then this is the show for you. Hey, you five listeners, I really do appreciate that you guys stay with me and actually listen to this shit. Uh, today, I've got a human performance specialist. She's actually a badass. She's trained me. She's trained all kinds of athletes, both uh, on the field and in the water. Uh, she's a certified strength and conditioning specialist, a licensed athletic trainer, holds a master's, super smart, from Arizona, residing in Seattle. Jamie Laffler, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Did I butcher your last name? Is it Laffler or Laffler? You did not. No, you said it right. It's Laffler. Yeah. Okay. And it's funny because yeah. I laugh a lot. Get it? Yeah. Oh, perfect. I, yeah, right. but I usually fuck those things up. I blame it on uh, my TBI or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so as you know, we kick it off with, uh, with a little bit of rapid fire. Uh, as a warm up, and some of this is going to relate to you know what you do for a living, and plus it's still the beginning of the year with all these people with their little it resolutions. Is. Isn't right? that crazy? Yeah. So we can uh, get that resolution education out there for those that say, "Hey, I'm going to just start working out," and then they don't, and they wait till uh, mm -hmm. next year. Uh, are you ready? I am. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, hit H I I T huh? or run. Mm, depends on your goal. So when it comes to human performance, Here we go. Um, it always depends. It always depends. Um, right. It's like when I have new interns, they get driven crazy by me because the answer is always, it depends. Uh -huh. So based on your goal, if you want to run a marathon, if you are doing an active sport that involves running, run. Um, if not, there's nothing wrong with it. Okay. Well, which one would you pick? What do you I like? hit to run, um, so I do okay. hits. <laughs> All right, you're right. Off. Yes. And so, for those that don't know, that's high intensity interval training. What is that? 
High, inter- high intensity interval training is where you work at a certain ratio of on time or exercise time um, with off time or rest time. And what that allows you to do is work at a much higher intensity for short periods that add up to a longer overall time, but allows you to rest and recover in your downtime. So that way you can keep a higher heart rate, higher uh, performance output, higher power output, et cetera, um, during that on time because you have that up and down of uh, on to off rather than just trying to stretch out a, a, a long continuous session where you would start to slowly decline throughout that period uh, because you aren't able to recover. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's a great way of explaining it. Now, what's the optimum kind of on off? Is it like 30 seconds on 30 seconds off or does, is that another one? Again, it just depends. It depends. Yeah. Um, okay. typically you want to start depending on what you're doing, but you want to start with a like one to three on to off ratio. So that could be 30 seconds of really hardcore sprinting and a minute, 30 seconds off or huh. 10 seconds of hardcore sprinting, 30 seconds off that's going to be more of a like field-based athlete. Um, or it could be, um, you can slowly work down to one to two, one to one, or even one to like 0.5 where your, your rest is even lower. But again, it's going to depend on what's your overall goal. Um, so you'd want to match it to what the event or what the sport is. Um, and then also to, are you just getting into this kind of training or have you been doing it for a while? Um, uh, yeah. What a lot of people do is just, you know, go balls to the wall and totally burn themselves out and be like, holy shit, my body hurts. This is terrible. And then they stop, uh, which is not, you know, not sustainable. So taking the, taking the slow approach and building into it is, is what we really want to do. Yeah. I like that. I never do that. I actually do the whole, like, <laughs> if, if I'm doing, <laughs> if I'm doing like, let's say for example, the easy one, the easy button for me when it comes to hit is like with kettlebells, right? Uh, yeah. I can take a kettlebell and I can do, 15 seconds of, let's say, snatching with my right arm, 15 seconds off, 15 mm-hmm. seconds with my left, mm-hmm. 15 seconds off, 15 seconds with my right, and back and forth. And then usually I'll go, okay, I'm just going to try this for five minutes today. And I barely get there, but I'll get my five. And then maybe a week later, I, you know, and, and I add 30 seconds, yeah, you know, yeah. as the, yeah. So, but that's one for one. I probably should start with more like 15 and, yeah. and 45, mm-hmm. 15, 45. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably get more out of it. Well, that's and that'll yeah, that'll allow you to have a much higher intensity with the the longer rest period. Um, but if you wanted to even flip it and say go forty five seconds on, where you're just getting into a flow and it's not necessarily for power and fifteen seconds off, say it's again, it all depends on what you're going for. Yeah, no, I like that. Cool. Okay, next one, avocado or kale? Avocado, hundred percent. I I eat on average one whole avocado a day. Um, not really friendly to my bank account, but that's okay. I'll take it. Right. I mean, they're both kind of sort of considered superfood still or what? Um, I don't know who decides what a superfood is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm always like, ah, somebody said it's healthy, but kale, (laughs) I mean, I think I have to do a lot to kale in order to eat it. Yeah. What I still can't wrap my mind around is the fact that for so long, it was a garnish on dishes at restaurants. And it wasn't an actual like food. Right. That's right. Might be it's saying like, something. I don't know. It's like they used to throw rice on top of it or something, right? To make it look pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Avocados, man. I can eat those all day long. Now, what's the, ba- mm-hmm. I mean, it's the good fats. Is that really the, the biggest fat. takeaway from avocado? Um, from avocados, they have a surprising amount of fiber too. If I'm um, not 
uh, incorrect on that one. Um, but yeah, it's the, it's the healthy fats that we need. Um, avocado oil, you know, same thing, um, or, uh, your olive oils. Um, a lot of people think that fat is bad. You know, it was the whole thing back in the nineties with Atkins diet and whatnot, but we need fat. It's super important for our bodies. Um, fat helps surround all of our nerves and it helps with our brain function, helps keep your muscles healthy. And when we see people who have too low of body fat, they actually tend to have really high risk of, um, muscle strains and, and injuries. Um, hmm. so yeah, healthy fats, super good for you. Oh, so I'm doing great. Okay, good. <laughs> Make me feel so healthy much fats. better. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's healthy. Yeah. So I look great in a t-shirt. It's all that matters. There you go. Um, okay. Uh, protein shake or a steak? Mm. You know where I'm going with this. I, mean, I do yeah. indeed. Uh-huh. Um, so if you are finishing up your workout and you're about to go have a meal, you yep. can skip the protein shake and you can just go and have the yep. steak. Um, uh, cause we want, uh, the protein. We want, um, all of our essential amino acids, but we do also want some kind of carbohydrate replacement. So steak and a baked potato would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't, if you're not going straight home and having a meal, grab your shake uh, it'll be just as fine for you yeah i think so if you have the option to have real whole protein like yeah, actual, you want to go for that right mm-hmm. because yeah. i mean it's hard to know what supplements are like legit right i mean there's still this it big is. year decades and decades later yeah. we're still buying protein shake powders and not really knowing what's going on inside that thing right Right. It's, it's really crazy. Um, of course you want to look for the special certifications that are on them, especially if you're any kind of college athlete, uh, with those, especially, um, baseball for certain, um, but what, what's really crazy is when you see just like the big tubs of like the protein and the creatine and leucine and like the different products, mm. uh, I was, I'm always like, well, where did this actually come from? Like, how was this made? <laughs> like, yeah. I, don't, I don't understand. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, whole foods are what's the best choice um, if you are able to access them. What's really important is that you're just getting in the proper amount of protein and carbohydrate within within an hour to two hour window after you work out. Um, some more recent studies are just saying as long as you get that protein intake throughout the 24 hour day, you're okay. Um, but for me, I still err on the side of being safe, keep it within the hour after working out. Uh, I love to eat, so it's fairly easy for me <laughs> to make that happen. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think I know the answer, but we're going to go with what you like to do. Strength or cardio? But we already know. <laughs> Strength. Yes. <laughs> sure. Strength. I love to lift. I love the lift yes. heavy. Um, I do do cardio. Don't think that I don't. But if I had a choice between hit my back squats and going for a run i will do the back squats all day yeah yep um now you've trained a lot of these professional athletes obviously i've been amongst them um at exos here in uh, frisco Mm -hmm. uh i don't know if you've got a favorite but i just kind of went with you know nfl versus nbl who do you oh versus nba that is such a hard one Yeah. yeah That's almost like comparing a Tuesday and a Wednesday. It's like they're both great days, um, but they're both different in their, you know, their own uh, aspect. But you know which ones put out more than the others. 
I do. There's a I do. there's a trend, I'm sure I can there figure is. out, but I'll um, let you answer it. Ah, shoot, you put me on the spot. <laughs> um, I enjoy coaching. Oh my gosh, this is so hard. So NFL is really great because they're aggressive. They hit the weights hard. Um, they just have it's like listening to a really hard rap song. And then NBA, they will also lift. Um, and they're just a little bit more easygoing and laid back. And it's like listening to an R and B song almost. Um, (laughs) and they're both just, you know, they're fantastic based on how you feel in that day. Um, but overall, I really do love NFL. I do. I love football athletes and just the variety of body shapes and sizes and skills and techniques that come in with that sport. Um, it's really, really fun to work with. Yeah, they are. They they are a lot of fun. I remember the first time I went through an Exos, I was with NFL kids in the morning, and I was with uh-huh. NBA guys yeah. uh, in the <laughs> afternoon. afternoon. Yeah. And the NBA guys were like, "I ain't doing those squats." <laughs> you know, NBA yeah. it's a that's a it's a technical sport. Basketball is mm-hmm. a technical sport. I don't need all this shit. They were pretty funny, but I agree. Yeah. I would say, yeah, NFL is like hardcore rock and roll. and nba is like reggae you know (laughs) let's 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 just smoke some pot you know during (laughs) during the workout hour yeah let's just chill yeah yeah um but those guys are amazing across the board um yeah we know okay you know i'm kind of going in here oh drive or fly Fly. Drive or fly? You fly? Yeah, okay. yeah I like to fly. Yeah. I'll stare out the window the whole time. Always going to have a window seat. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, I love to travel. I absolutely love to travel. I do it as much as I can. Um, so for me, get flying gets me there sooner, which means I can do more stuff. Yeah. I'm the kind of person on vacation that wakes up early so I can go and do the most, right. um, which some people think is ludicrous, but I like to enjoy my time. Yeah, that makes sense to me. What's your favorite? Have, have you have a favorite place that you've been so far? So last year I actually went to Hawaii twice and it was absolutely incredible. Um, I did about a week in Oahu, about a week in Maui. And when I think like, Jamie, what were the most happiest times in your life? And it was definitely after hiking through the jungle, finding some waterfalls, climbing up the cliff face and just being like you and the waterfall in the middle of nowhere in nature. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Do you have any, uh, like dream destinations? Like, okay, it's on the list. I'm going to go to. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm not really much of a bucket list person, but one place that is definitely on my bucket list is actually Hawaii. Um, on the big Island is the Keck observatory. And that is somewhere that I really want to go and see the stars. Um, for me, a big issue with society that I feel is the fact that we don't see the stars anymore. We're not Mm. humbled by how big the universe is and we don't realize how small that we are and how unimportant our little life is on the top, the long span of what time is. And we just have our heads so far up our asses that we think we're the most important thing in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing the stars for me always just reminds me like there's so much more to my problems at work or there's so much more to having to pay my, my car note every month and, and that uh-huh. kind of thing. Um, so being able to go there into the Keck observatory is something that I really, really want to do. Yeah. It sounds like you're the kind of person that wants to just, you find an area and then you want to see all of it before you mm. move on to something new. Is that it? Yeah. I mean, really be able okay. to understand it. Yeah. 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 Well, it's funny you bring up the stars. It's kind of odd. Cause the next one is uh Bigfoot or aliens. <sighs> aliens. 
aliens. Really cool. Yeah, I haven't seen Bigfoot yet up here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, yeah, definitely not real. <laughs> definitely yeah. not real. But that's, the where aliens, they, that's where it's supposedly at, right? Sasquatch. Yeah, is supposed he's supposed to be out here. Yeah. yeah. So you'll see bumper stickers and T-shirts and everything like um, Sasquatch is the the best hide and seek competitor out there. It's just yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. So aliens. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's it's overwhelming sometimes to look at those stars and go, wow, like that goes forever forever yeah it's it's we can't we literally can't understand it like we do not have the capacity to understand how big the universe is and it is absurd yeah it is pretty cool i've been talking to my daughter about uh how we would get you know when we die we always mm -hmm. kind of do the whole like what do you what do you want dad and i'm like well i don't know are you planning something that i'm should be aware of <laughs> but uh it it really boils down to like I'm, i've always said hey i just want to be you know cremated put in a capsule and shot to space right really? just go forever okay. right yeah yeah and then if wherever you land you land and who knows what your uh ashes could turn into you know right, sky's the limit true. when uh yeah. when space is infinite but then we got to thinking, like, how you could capitalize on this with rockets becoming more and more available. Mm. And you've got now people with big money being able to take a ride, a joy ride on them. Why not start a space graveyard? Because we're running out of land, right? We're going to eventually run out of land. That's actually a good idea. And yeah. you could put, I was like, you, honey, you can put me in orbit. And then every time I pass over, you're like, there goes Dad. Oh, no. Okay. He'll be back in 15 seconds. They're Here he like comes. Oh, there goes Danny. Oh, no, no, he's coming. Oh, wait, 15 seconds. One, two, three. Oh, no, there he goes again. You know, and then you could like create an app that shows you where dad is where going around, yeah. the, around the planet. And then yeah, you could have just sick. hundreds of thousands of people just cruising around the earth, you know? In theory, yeah. on surface level, <laughs> level, it's great. When it comes to like satellites and space junk, I don't yeah. know. Well, yeah, we would be space junk. We would turn mm -hmm. into space junk. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's a good goal. I want to die and be space junk. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, now we're approaching this whole Valentine's thing. Are you a Valentine's person? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm not a holiday person. For think, me, for yeah, me no. when it comes to holidays, it's like I don't need a date on the calendar to tell me to celebrate something. I don't need a date to tell me to be thankful for people. I don't need a date to go and celebrate loving people um mm -hmm. when i find a gift for somebody i buy it then and i give it to them then because it shows them i'm thinking about them all the time and i care about them all the time um the one yeah. holiday i do like is birthdays and that's because birthdays. for me i think we take them for granted um hmm. never know how long i have here how many birthdays you'll see um so that's that's the one that i can get behind i like that yeah mm -hmm. man i like the fact that you're not like into all the the holidays like oh because, I mean, that's a, uh, you know, this coming out around Valentine's, I would say, um, you know, for guys, it's kind of a one-way deal, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like this, there's this pressure that's really unnecessary on a mm -hmm. day that I, I don't even honestly know what the hell Valentine's means anymore. I probably did know at one point, but I don't know anymore. I couldn't tell you what the uh, yeah. origin is. I just know. I I think it's the the highest making like candy sale of the year, isn't it? Valentine's <laughs> Day. Yeah, something. Yeah, like the well, that's what I was going to ask. So, I was going to ask flowers or candy. Uh, candy, definitely chocolate. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Chocolate, I think, is always a winner when it's up against flowers. You can't eat a flower. You just look at it. Like unless I can look the at flowers are made out of chocolate, then mm, okay. Mm, there you go. You're listening to Can You Survive This Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and share on the iHeartRadio app 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. Okay, mom or dad? Mom. Mom. Why? Yeah, mom. Um, my mother, love to hate her, mostly love her. So she is a very, very hardworking, loving, compassionate, caring person. Um, long story short, growing up, we were a foster family. So my family um, took in foster kids and she helped care for and raise over 48 foster kids within um, eight years. Damn. And yeah, very, very incredible person. Wait, say that um, again. 48 kids. 48 over foster kids came through our home. Over mm-hmm. how many years ago? Eight? Eight years. Uh-huh. Yeah. Holy crap. Now yeah, you're so not. You're, you're, you're biological. I'm biological. Correct. Okay. I'm biological. I've got four adopted siblings. Um, and yeah, just seeing how she navigated those avenues of dealing with the paternal or excuse me, the biological parents um, dealing with taking these kids to, uh, you know, the meetings with their families, um, seeing how she made these bonds and attachments with these kids that we had sometimes for two, three years and had to either, you know, give back to the parents who we knew weren't that great sometimes or have them be adopted out or what have you. Um, It was a really incredible experience that of course, as a 10 year old, you don't realize how it's going to impact your life. Um, but the amount that she has given of herself to other people is, is really, um, inspiring. It's pretty awesome. Hmm. Now, did you ever feel left out or kind of like, Hey, yeah, why? I've been to therapy because of all this. Yeah. All of us biological kids have, uh, because the, the negative side of it was we never really felt as if we were enough us biological kids because mom always had to have other kids coming into the house how many of you how, okay so how many brother real brother and sisters you have i have a two biological siblings um okay. the older brother two. brother underneath me yeah and then four adopted okay got it and then yeah. you had all these other kids running coming in yeah there. yeah yeah it was uh it was an interesting time mm-hmm. yeah i bet mm-hmm. holy crap yeah um yeah and then okay so Let's see. That's a lot of mouths to feed, too. So how'd that work? <laughs> it is. Was it like first come, um, first serve until you ran out? Or so did it's you really have funny family you dinners? Asked that. We yeah. always had family dinners, always family dinners. But when it came to things like um, like ice cream drumsticks, there's only six in a box, <laughs> which meant that not everyone was going to get a drumstick. And if dad came home and ate two, it was a real problem. Um, oh, but- yeah. 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 Lots of, lots of big family dinners. Um, now for Christmases and stuff, we do secret Santa that way we're not buying for all the siblings and whatnot. Um, not that I would choose to do that anyway, cause I don't like holidays. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, there you go. Now, yeah, now I was, see uh, why you don't like holidays. There's a much right, exactly. big, deeper meaning here. Yeah. 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 Um, but it was, it was interesting. <laughs> huh? Sounds like it. That's cool. Um, well then when you're surrounded growing up with all these kids, like what, what sets you down the path of where you're at now? Yeah. So I have quite a different story uh, when it comes to being a strength conditioning coach. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really an athlete past an age that mattered. I played sports up until like 12. Um, I should have really been a, an individual sport athlete, like a diver or swimmer. Um, but I had played team sports like as a, a kid and what really upset me was when people didn't try their best. And I was like, well, we're stuck on the same team. I'm trying my best. You are not like, fuck that. You know, I'm out of here. Um, maybe then not the right approach as a 12 year old. Oh, well. Uh, but 
I started as an athletic training student in high school, actually. So literally just walking down the hallway, blah, 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 and our athletic trainer was sitting next to one of my friends. And my friend was like, oh, hey, she'd be good. And our AT was like, oh, hey, do you play any sports? I'm like, no, you should know that you're the athletic trainer. You should know your athletes, whatever. Um, he's like, you want to be an athletic trainer? I was like, yeah, sure. My friend's older brother had did it. I knew that he liked it. I love sports and wasn't currently playing a sport. It's like, yeah, let me get involved. I love working with people. Um, so I started at 15 years old um, in our athletic training room in high school, um, working football, wrestling, soccer, everything under the sun that we had at our high school. Uh, went to undergrad for athletic training. And then in grad school, I was a grad assistant athletic trainer at um, San Diego State and Arizona State. Uh, worked with water polo and football at ASU. And when I was done with that, I interned at Exos there in Phoenix um, as a performance specialist. And that's when I was really like, this is awesome. Um, yeah. I had done I had done a lot of work in weight rooms throughout college because as an athletic trainer, you shadow in the weight room. You're there in case anyone gets hurt. Uh, if there's medical emergency, et cetera. And of course, there's a lot of corrective exercise and exercise classes that you take as well. Uh, but it was really that time that I spent as an intern at Exos that I was like, this is for me. I love this. Because um, for me, it's all about the person. It's understanding who is Clint. Mm -hmm. How can I speak to Clint? How can I understand you and not necessarily see you as, okay, this guy is a retired Navy SEAL or, oh, this is just a football player. I'm going to coach the football player. No, you need to understand that person and speak to that person in order to really make them the best that they can be um, and, and have their trust and get that buy-in and communicate well. Um, you know, once someone realizes that you care about them and who they are, you really, you can get them to do basically anything um, within reason <laughs> in, in the, in the yeah. training world. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my story in a little two-minute spiel. Yeah, I like it. And going kind of backwards on some of this. So I know that when I was training with you or you were training me, um, you, the, you went to China and I you did. had an opportunity to like train there. Yeah. Was it the water polo or who was water it? polo is one of them. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. man, so good. it was such an incredible opportunity. Um, and I miss going there. COVID obviously, uh, shut that down, but I went to China Tola five times over about a year and a half, um, spent two months like all put together over there. I was in a city called Tianjin, which is just outside of Beijing. It's like their industrial side, um, small city of 14 to 15 million people, you know, just a, yeah, just a few. Um, but while I was there, I was working with a provincial team. So it's a step under uh, the national team working mm. aquatic. So water polo, synchronized swimming, um, swimming, diving, and it was an amazing experience. Um, very, very immersive. It was not like touristy. I was staying in their training center in their dorms. I was eating their food next to them. I was with them basically all the time. Um, we had a translator and she, you know, walked down to the mall with us or, you know, do this, that, or the other. Um, but we'd oftentimes rent the bikes and ride them around town and try not to get hit by taxis and motorcycles and all that kind of thing. Um, but it was really something else. And how was their discipline compared to like us athletes? I mean, um, it was incredible. Um, we coached a lot of kids. I coached a lot of kids when I was there. I think the youngest was seven. Um, and they would have seven year olds training alongside 30 year olds, like in the same group. 
what sense but, that makes no but idea nobody, but, but they nobody would. know nobody knows their birthday right so they can really <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly yeah we know how they operate um, yeah. yeah but really <laughs> um but really yeah. yeah um and i never had to yell at a child for being loud or talking over me i never had to get onto somebody for like dicking around over on the side um because the way they discipline there is different than how we, we discipline here. We're a little soft over here, but we also um, aren't really abusive either when it yeah. comes to using discipline. Um, I did not see this with my own eyeballs. I was told of it uh, by a coworker who had been in China for years, uh, but this person was working with swim and dive and he saw a diver climb up to the high dive, which is um, the 10 meter. So 30, 30 feet yeah. um, ish. And the diver went to do not a, um, what's it called when you land on your belly? Belly It's a very technical skill too. <laughs> yeah. I'm really um, good at it. Landed on their back, flat on their back, Ooh. which a high level diver would never do on accident. Mm -hmm. Um, so they had gotten in trouble and their punishment was to go on the high dive and do a, a back flop more or less. Um, which if you know anything about diving, that is extremely dangerous. You could literally be knocked out and have a concussion, um, in the pool because of, of doing that. And, uh, you'll, you will see things like that. And it's, it's real weird. Yeah. Yeah. And as Americans stepping into that environment, it was not my place to say anything or do anything um, because that, that's their world. That's how they run things. Um, there was one time, this was not disciplined, but some little synchronized swimming children, they were probably six, um, were being forced to basically overstretch and were in tears crying because coach is literally holding them down with their leg over their head and the children had no choice but to take it because for them to be there at that training center was an incredible honor um, to them and their family and their village and their town and everything. Um, and that's just what they have to, to do in order to have a better life. Um, so it's very interesting, yeah, very eye-opening. It made me very appreciative to be an American. Right. We actually, your freedom and free yeah. will. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. And you can you can sit on the pole and make noise if you want. Yeah, I can get on Google and <laughs> see, if, like, you know, I can get, look things up and have freedom of and access of uh, information. Yeah. Now, you as you're how old were you when you were traveling over there? Um, 29. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. too so long you, ago. You weren't, yeah. Now, did you feel safe in that environment? Most and... of the time, yes. Um, yeah. There were a couple of instances when I was out and about in the city um, and would get, I got videotaped a lot being there um, because in Tianjin, there's very, very little um, like Westerners. Florida. I don't have any, yeah, I don't have any words today. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, everyone is Chinese, everyone. And yeah. so when I would see someone who was not Chinese, it was really exciting because <laughs> you know, the, the bulk is, is Chinese. Um, but there was one situation where I was headed to the airport and um, we would get a driver. So they hired a driver for me. Um, I, I get in the van, I was by myself. And um, the driver, so the driver is literally filming me sitting in the back seat. 
And I'm like, is this really, is this really happening right now? Like, hmm. of course I'm in China. My phone isn't turned on to data because it's extremely expensive. And I'm like, dude, if I don't make it to the airport, no one is going to know. Like it is going to take so long because the airport at that time didn't have accessible Wi-Fi to anything that was not a Chinese phone number. Um, So it would have taken until I got to Incheon in um, Seoul, South Korea, until I was able to get a hold of anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, all right, I'm going to take the fee, you know, turn my (laughs) roaming on. I texted a couple of people and just like, hey, if you don't hear from me within, you know, X amount of time, like, please reach out to, you know, the information Um, because it was it was really, really unnerving. And I didn't realize until the third trip that I didn't know how to say, like, help, I'm in trouble in Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> probably good to learn that on the first one. <laughs> yes. yeah. like, that probably would have been a really good thing to know going into all of this, um, because a lot of people there did not speak English. It was not a big a big business city. Um, so I would have had to know Mandarin in order to, to get help. Yeah. I'm no alive. Kidding. I'm here. Yeah, yes, you are. Okay. Yes. Yes. Well, good job. And that's a good little uh, tip for everyone. You know, basics, like I say, keeping it simple, like learning simple phrases can go a long ways. Plus, when you're showing respect to the culture, you know, you're turning what could potentially be a foe into a friend just by merely Mm -hmm. trying. Right. Right. You're trying. And they they will appreciate that. Um, Exos. Mm-hmm. So are you still working for Exos? I am. I am. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been with Exos for almost seven years now. Um, I, of course, was at our, we call them our, our performance um, institutes there in Frisco, which is where uh, we work together. Yeah. I'm currently on a contract for the U.S. military um, out That's here in right. Seattle, uh, working on base, helping train soldiers, get them strong, get them moving well, and really focus on longevity for them. Um, that's not something that 22 year olds tend to focus on is, you know, what's ahead of me in five years or 10 years. Um, so really trying to give them, take care of their bodies and get them strong and powerful and moving well. That's what we're focused on now. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a great turn that God, I don't know where in my career it started, but the first time I was exposed to it is I got to the East coast, got to damn neck and the tier one commands had, contracts with at the time it was api before you Mm -hmm. guys changed your name to exos and i first time i went to an api i think it was in uh i want to say scottsdale yeah that's our headquarters yeah and so showed up there and it was like you know a can't remember it was a you know a four-week deal Uh and it was the tactical athlete program and the beauty of it was you did your your morning workout then classes like okay basic nutrition and this is how this is your skeleton is anatomy and physiology it yeah. kind of took you down to ground level learning things that you kind of sort of already knew but it was great to kind of get dive in a little deeper and mm-hmm. and then into the kinesiology of all of this stuff right and uh then when you were done you'd go to lunch come back some more classes and then you would roll into your second workout of the yeah. day um, and then the whole time there, you know, there's these shakes and supplements always waiting for you with your little, with your name on them. And yeah, it's, it made it's, you it's feel, fancy. it is, it was like, it's, all, wow, it's about taking care of you, but that's the great thing about this company is yeah. it's all about 
the, the person it's, you know, we do the best we can to get you to your goals. Um, I don't go to work every day for me. I don't go to work for Jamie. I go to work because I love to help support other people. And that's what fulfills me is, is, you know, caring for others and giving to others and being selfless. Um, I've been told that I am a little bit too endearing at times, Mm. um, but I can't help it. And it, it really just, it fits with where I'm at. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I, and from what I know, the program, you know, it expanded obviously out of the tier one to more conventional forces. And now you're, uh, yeah, you're having to, I feel really sorry for you that you're having to hang out with army guys all day long, but you know, um, it's a whole different world. That is for sure. Yeah. They, they, and they all know exactly what I'm talking about. They'll, they'll actually agree with me. Like, yep, I know Clint, you're right. We're kind of, <laughs> we're, we're different. We're very different. Um, so yeah, now you're up there in Washington dealing with that. And uh, so how have you found it? Like you went from dealing with professional athletes, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you and I were sitting there, you're working me out with other pros and, you know, remember what's her name? It was going to the Olympics for skateboarding. And yeah, she actually Alana. ended up doing, yeah, she ended up actually doing really well, right? Yeah, it and, was, um, that was awesome. Yeah, we, we, I mean, it's it, now you're kind of in this pretty much 100% military, you go from the pros, not me, of course, but everyone else around us. And then you go now to 100% military. How's that transition been? It's been very interesting. Um, It was not what I expected. Um, I think the the hardest thing has been how hard-headed the military is about Mm. change. Um, As we all know, change is hard. It's super hard. Yeah. Um, and where we're really able to make the impact is with our, our lower ranking individuals, because in five, 10 years, they're going to be the ones who are calling shots. Um, so that's where we're really trying to make our, our largest impact and speak to them. And that's who we are also training most of the time during, during PT, um, is your, your E1s, E2s, E3s, um, you know, E5s and up don't really have to come to PT if they don't want to, and they really won't get in trouble. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, <that's> true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what we found to be the biggest impact that we're making is for these soldiers to just have a civilian to talk to, who's a little bit more on the outside and who will give them the time and attention and just listen. Yeah. Um, so we, I have a, I have a co-coach um, and we're assigned to the same battalion and uh, our office is great. And we we wanted it to be welcoming. We wanted people to come in and, and hang out and talk to us because that creates relationships and builds buy-in. And, and that's what we really need right now is, is buy-in and, and helping to create our change. Uh, so this week, actually, we have not gotten much done because we've had soldiers coming in every day and just talking, um, telling us about their families, telling us about um, like someone's mother just died a couple of weeks ago go and he started therapy and started talking to us about therapy and and just being so extremely open um and how refreshing it seems almost for them that we are here to to listen and to be here for them um and to not care what their rank is and to not care what their overall really like job description is or or what shit they might have gotten into as to why they're in the army perhaps yeah. um so that's been really cool huh 
when it comes to say working with pro athletes, of course, they have to work on their bodies in order to, to do their job. Right. Yeah. Um, of course these soldiers are also having to do that. Obviously we want a strong, you know, military force supporting America. Um, but they have, they have to be there for PT. They don't get a choice. Um, and they have to do, you know, their X, Y, these Z things throughout the day. And it doesn't matter if they're in a good mood or a bad mood, you know, what have you, they, they have to go and do it. And so when they can come in and kind of vent to us and, and unload and get uh, a different perspective on, on life, apart from everyone else who's just like them on base, um, we've seen some really, really cool, like switches flip almost um, hmm. in the time that we've been out here. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's important people know Exos, you know, it's, they're really doing the same thing no matter who they work with. It's all about increasing the longevity of whether it's a professional athlete or a professional warrior. And it doesn't surprise me that there's some hardheadedness. It took a long time for even the special operations community Mm -hmm. to start embracing more of what you guys preach in that human performance world. And heck, it took us forever just to start using the words HP, right? I mean, it was always, oh, PT, I got to go PT. And that's push-ups, pull-ups, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's all good stuff. But we never, the military never evolved. It was always, you know, it's whatever's in boot camp is kind of almost like, okay, well, or buds, or if you, whatever, whatever you did, that became your norm. And that's what you did for 20 years. I remember having a, uh, my first chief in my platoon was a Marine who then got out of the Marines, came in the Navy to be a SEAL. Interesting. Okay. And, but he was still a Marine. Uh-huh. And everything was just push-ups. I mean, that's all he would do is push-ups. And he was one of those, when he's doing the push-ups, he's looking at his bicep while he's doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh... It's a great view, though. That's a nice angle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, I'm looking at it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> right. And then, uh, you know, it was, it was all old school, like straight up PT. Milit- what okay. you think of military PT. And it's, uh, Anyway, it took a long time for especially some of us older guys to go, what is all this like human performance crap, mm-hmm. you know, because when you're starting it, it's not as intense, right? Uh-huh. As like a, is like a morning <clears throat> PT with all your buddies. It's yep. actually, it slowly kind of gets to a mm-hmm. gallop and it's spread out over time. And that's because, oh, that's right. We're trying to prevent injury. We mm-hmm. want you to recover in a timely manner, you know, you, it, but it took a long time for people to realize, Oh, wait, right. So you in 20 trust years, the process. I, yeah. yeah, you got to trust the process. And, and a big issue with, with where we're at now is just like you said, we have these old school people who are still in charge and they don't know any different. Like you don't know what you don't know. So they have no idea what is possible with mm-hmm. human performance on base. They're not going to know that, you know, this is better than what has previously been done because they don't know what better is. Mm. And so that's a big part of us high level coaches coming in and providing examples of what our, our footprint could look like as a gym of providing examples of, um, you know, what happens when we include stretches into our training, like what that does for us and, and really educating on why we're doing the exercises we're doing. Um, yeah. Because for me, I hate to do something that I don't know why I'm doing it, as a lot of people are like that. And so when I'm speaking to um, like my command, I have to be very big on my education side and explain this is why we're doing it. Um, this is where it's going to get us. You know, this is where we're at now. And we need to be able to bridge that gap 
And so these are the things we're going to do in order to bridge that gap and stay healthy while we're doing it. Because um, if if we're not healthy, we can't go and, and fight a war or we can't go step on a field and, and play in the Super Bowl. Um, so it all comes down to, yeah, being healthy, having that longevity mindset um, and, and education and, again, caring about people. Yeah. Yeah. I think the proof is in the pros. You guys have trained those guys and you've got NFL. I mean, it doesn't matter. Football, baseball, basketball, you have guys now playing uh, what used to be an old man in professional sports. You know, they get into their late 20s or early 30s like, oh, he's the old guy. Now you got, hell, you got a bunch of them now playing in their 30s. Uh I mean, you you have, uh, you know, somebody like Brady, who's what, 60? You know, he's... <laughs> basically, <laughs> yeah. he's like dog years. You know, I was like, man, yeah, it's like football, like dog years. He's been in for three yeah. years. Like, oh, dude, see, yeah, seventy-two. Um, right, and every team I, he goes to, he he's you know he's walking away with a Super Bowl tr- trophy right, as right. he gets older. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, really yeah, the proof is in the pros. That's all the military needs to know because these are folks with ninety million plus, you know, dollar contracts. You know. And that's just like getting started. Right. We will be right back after the break. Who was that guy that we were we were training with that like signed his big ol' he's a huge like lineman guy, remember? And he that the day he was like, I just signed a fifty million or sixty million. I was like, Uh What? Yep. That is Insane. such bullshit. <laughs> real crazy, real crazy. Why can't the military um, sign a $90 million what's contract? What's really weird is when our <laughs> NFL Combine guys get drafted and sign their rookie contracts. Um, worked with We worked with Jamar Chase last year, and he went first round and has had an incredible um, season, has a big game on Sunday. But seeing the contract that this 21-year-old is signing, and he's like, this is ridiculous. I will never see that amount of money in my life. But like, <laughs> you go, man. Like, that is fucking awesome. Um, so they work their asses off. But Yeah, you've run. Um, how many How many combines have you run now? Uh, six. I've worked with six. Yeah. And you're yeah. seeing you're seeing those kids come in. And I mean, I saw the what, what Exos did during this COVID issue. Mm-hmm. You guys kind of ran your own. We did. Yeah. We yeah. Had and that went really day. well, right? It went awesome. Yeah. Um, we actually had the largest one in Dallas. We used um, University of North Texas's indoor facility, which is beautiful. Um, we ran. Oh, gosh. We had almost 50 guys that year. Yeah. Um, and I almost all of them um, ran in our pro day and we had actual um, guys, scouts who are usually at the combine and have you know measured people's wingspans and done their verticals and time the stopwatches and everything. They came yeah. to our facility and helped facilitate that. And That's it was awesome. a really, really cool experience um, and being able to see the fulfillment and the two months of intense training come to fruition. It was a really, really neat thing to be a part of. Um, yeah, it was busy. I, that's when I was coming in. Oh and man, it was, yeah. That it's place was busy. just nothing but these incredible, like massive kids. <laughs> yeah, but really, they <laughs> are like, children. What the, the fuck are you people eating? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. And they're ripped. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm like double their age, just trying to keep up, but that wasn't even happening. Um, yeah, Exos. So if, for those of you just now learning about Exos, you really should check them out, especially if you've got one 
uh, in your area. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 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 far and few between, but you know, um, they're worth it. They are worth uh, you know here locally. Uh, you know, I had I've had the privilege of training at them several times, but being a retired guy, going in there and getting things squared away again. Uh, because I've done that several times. You go in, you get squared away, you leave, you come back all broken. Come, okay, get squared away. It's a you know, it's what I do. Um, but they had like these these other like group. What do you call when you just the civilians? Anybody who wants to pay, they can come yeah, in. And, yeah, so that's um, our active adults. It's our rally program. Yeah, uh, they're so much fun because as an adult working a normal job, you don't need to go and train like an athlete. Um, but the people who want to do that is yeah. a really special type of person. A lot of them were past athletes in college, um, or high school, or a lot of them were really high performers themselves within their own profession. We had a lot of, um, tech business owners. We had a lot of, um, like corporate people who built up their own businesses. Yeah. Um, so really like Exos caters to that high performer, regardless of what that performance is that you do. Um, and a really, really cool thing about those programs is they tend to overlap with our professional programs. Um, so like our noon adult group overlaps with our NFL group and seeing those two different parties form relationships and take each other out for lunch and, and help build connections is one of my favorite things about that facility. Um, like, and you got to train with a, an Olympic skateboarder, like what are the odds <laughs> of that? It was so, yeah. so cool. And yeah. just seeing how people overlap and, and work together and, um, create bonds and help each other out. It's, it's an awesome, awesome environment. It really was. Yeah. I mean, anytime you go in there, it's, you got, it's elite, it's elite people mm-hmm. and it, it makes you want to perform, you know, hard and fast. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, even if you end up, you know, pulling a groin or something like I do, but it's okay. <laughs> it's worth it. It was worth it. I swear. Cause I, I told those, I taught those 20 year olds a thing or two. Um, not really. Okay, so let's go into you and your, uh, you know, I know that you're, what are you, you're like, you're built like a freight train. I do remember that. And uh, so your favorite is, what is your favorite? Like, do you have a favorite like hit routine or workout that you kind of jerk your go-to? Um, I love working legs. I love legs. Um, I'm fairly strong. So if my like perfect work workout would be, probably some hand cleans, um, followed by some deadlifts, maybe some front squats mixed in there. Um, you know, little, little rear foot elevated lunges, little single leg RDLs, um, really anything where I'm doing under four reps and going really heavy is my bread and butter. That's (laughs) That's your happy spot. Yep. That's what I love to do. If you ask me to do more than five, I'm going to (laughs) complain. Yeah. So for the two females listening, what do you recommend? Because, you know, these small waistline, big butts, all what, all this that's kind of trending. And I'm sure you get asked this all the time. What is the exercise that is there one that really kind of hits it all? Or is it you got to do all these things in order to build that lower? Um, That's a good question. So you have multiple muscles in your glutes, right? You have your glute max, which is the big cheek. You have your glute minimus and medius, which play really important jobs in how your leg rotates. Um, One thing that I've really been wary of is when females only do glute work. They'll go Mm -hmm. into the weight room and just do glutes and not work on anything else. Yeah. And your body is just like anything else, like too much of a good thing is a bad thing. And you need 
you need balance. Um, so for me, I'm not someone who's like, yeah, let's go in and hit a really heavy glute workout. Like, no, you also need to work on your hamstrings. You also need to work on your groin. You also need to work on your quads. You also need to work on your core. And guys also really like how a nice back looks on a woman. You got, so you got to hit everything in my opinion, but if you're going to go with one exercise that is going to work total body, as well as your glutes, um, front squats or like a trap bar deadlifts are really, really good exercises that hit a lot of your body, um, including your core, including your arms. Um, so that those, those would be two. So a track bar, okay. you're talking like a Smith machine. Is that a track, no, a track bar? bar? Like the, like the hex bar. Oh, the track standing, bar. The got track it, bar. Got yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, cause that works your grip strength, which works your shoulders, works your core. Um, and in that trap bar, you're getting both glute and hamstring and quad in that trap bar deadlift position. Um, so you're not just targeting your glute. I'm not fully answering your question because I don't want yeah, to. Yeah. No, I got it. I know. Um, but, There's no such yeah. thing. It's kind of like saying, okay, is there a diet just for my belly fat? Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. You yeah. can't target it. Nope. Yeah. You got to do a little bit of everything. No, I think that works. I mean, deadlifts are incredible. They're I, a very good exercise. Mm-hmm. I kind of, if I'm doing that, when I, when it's, it's weird to say, like I work out, but I don't have this heavy regiment thing. So if I'm not in it, in it, then I don't mm-hmm. like, I don't like them. But when yeah, I'm, sure. but once I'm in, then I'm like, oh yeah, yeah I love it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, always yeah. that, okay, I got to get started on this again. And well, you, you get know. like working out is an addiction. It really right. is. And yeah. not only is it something that you have to build this habit in order to want to go and do, but you have to build the habit in order to get your addiction going. And when I'm not working out consistently, I don't want to work out. Like if I'm not <laughs> yeah. in the gym three to four times a week, I'm like, you know, I, I could go read a book instead or, you know, go on a walk. Um, so it's one of those things where you have to find that discipline in order yeah. to hold yourself accountable and um, train on a regular basis. But once you once you start and you give it two to three weeks and you're consistent in there and you realize, hey, this feels great. I feel good. Um, that's when you get hooked. And usually the first two weeks are what's the hardest because you're sore. Uh, but you got to push through. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're ringing, you're ringing the same bell. I, I always tell people, you know, when they ask, Hey, you're a Navy SEAL, what's your, I'm like, Oh God, but it, just cause we're SEALs doesn't mean we know shit about working out. But <laughs> I do know one thing you have to put yourself first. Mm-hmm. You have to put yourself first each day, meaning whether it's the healthy meal, it's the workout, it's all those things. Cause if you don't put yourself first and do it at the beginning of the day, then the odds are it will never get done, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's my, uh, there you go, people. That's my new year's resolution for you. Put yourself first. It's not about being selfish. It's just getting those things under your belt and you'll have a much happier day for it. Um, let's see here. So kind of getting in your, you have a master's degree, right? What do you, uh-huh. yep. what is it in? My master's degree is in post-secondary and higher education. Um, oh, so okay. doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really have a ton to do with my actual profession, but I could go be an athletic director at like college, oh, um, gotcha. which could, yeah, could be pretty cool. Yeah. So tell us about, you know, that function of cognitive and, and behavioral psychology piece that uh, I think when we did some research here, the growth mindset and why it's mm. important. That's a big question. Um, (laughs) Wow. I didn't study for this. (laughs) Um, So one thing that 
tends to get people um, digging a digging a rut for themselves is they get complacent. Mm-hmm. Um, you get comfortable. You like where you're at because it can get easy. Um, but what we need to realize is this is the only life we have. And if we're bored, it's our own fault. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to continue to better yourself in, in multiple ways, um, whether that is at my job or whether that is at finding things that keep me interested in things that keep my life um, evolving in a way that is up. It's not just going to be to be flatlined. Um, so within within a growth mindset, really for me that I have been working on is finding, okay, what are my priorities and what makes me happy? Um, that's been a really big shift in my life and moving from Dallas out here to Seattle was I came here for a better work-life balance. I came here for the personal side of my life and being able to explore what is time outside of work. Mm-hmm. Um, I was used to working 10 to 12 hours a day, um, almost every day and not really having much time for anything else um, in order to grow outside of, of work. Um, I was like, this is not a life. Like I, I work all the time. Like I loved it, but I didn't get to do much more than that. Yeah. Um, so you know, I took this huge leap and moved out here to Seattle where I can hike and I can kayak and I can learn to snowshoe like I did a couple of weeks ago. And um, you know, I can go and do all these incredible things and really be able to learn who I am and learn what my priorities are and and learn like is this what I want to do um and that's really scary to do it's really hard for people to want to push themselves and get out of their comfort zone um because it's challenging and you have to actually think and it's a lot easier for people to not think and to not dive introspectively and and ask yourself questions and um it can be scary because you don't always like the answer that you, that you get about yourself. Um, so with that growth mindset, it needs to be about like, A, for me, what, what makes you happy? Um, cause ultimately the things that set you up to be happy tend to be the things that sets you up to be successful as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really just get out of your comfort zone as much as that is like a cliche thing to say, um, you have to do it and really you have to get past what is causing that fear for you, whether it be rational or irrational, and how can you overcome that fear? And typically that fear is, is going to be from the fear of failure or the fear of the unknown. Um, but you have to go out there and, and you know answer the questions to what is that unknown. Um, and you just gotta do it. You gotta suck it yeah. up and do it, <laughs> really. Yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, a couple of things that resonate with me that you said. Number one, the comfort zone thing. I remember training with, uh, with this MMA coach, fighter coach down in Florida. And it was when I was in, they sent us down there. We hung out with him for a couple of weeks and uh, he called it um, touching the curtain, right? And behind the curtain is always, th- it's that unknown. It's like that's that place that you're never going to get to see, but you should always strive to touch the curtain in your workouts or with everything you do in life. And it usually means you have to be in his world. 
it was like right when we're probably about you know one minute away from dying was touching the curtain because he would just destroy <laughs> us very yeah. ideal you're like what the yeah. hell you know and you you're on a you're on a stairmaster with weights on running as fast mm-hmm. as possible you know and that's after the workout and after being in the in the in the ring you know with him and it was you know, if you weren't touching the curtain at the end of the day, then you didn't work out. Yeah. yeah. And that was kind of his mentality, but it applies to somewhat same as what you're saying. You got to get uncomfortable in order to mm-hmm. figure some stuff out. And then the other piece that you said, passion, like that passion piece. If you're my dad used to always say, you know, find what you're passionate about, because if you're passionate about, then you'll probably be happy. If you're happy, yeah. then you'll be good at it. And if you're good mm-hmm. at it, the money will follow because mm-hmm. um, most people try to just chase down the money. They do. Doesn't but work. the reality is you got to you got to be passionate and then you'll be good at it. And if you're good at it, then the money will follow. So, yeah, I like that. yeah you got a lot of you got a lot of similarities there. And uh, then the last piece is, you know. You were talking about being uncomfortable, uh, and that's the that's the point in this interview where we're at for you because we need to see if you can survive this podcast. Oh yeah! So now it's time for you to be uncomfortable. <laughs> All right, are you ready for your hypothetical survival scenario? I am. You're listening to Can You Survive This Podcast? Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and share on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. All right, here we go. This is specially made for you, I think. Okay. All right, here we go. Um, I've got this screen here, so if you were sitting with me, it's like a game show, but uh, but you're not, so you're virtual. So here we go. You're just going to have to listen. Okay. Um, for this scenario, a client has flown you out or down to California to help him train for a difficult event that he has coming up, okay? Uh, You'll be in town for one week, okay? You're staying at a modest single-story home, okay? It's your first night in town. The job starts tomorrow. You're getting ready for bed when suddenly everything starts violently shaking, okay? So, your first question, all right? You're getting ready for bed. Everything uh-huh. starts shaking. Do you uh-huh. A, identify a safe zone, or B, call 911? Identify a safe zone. <laughs> there you go. And because it's California, we all know that they're like 100 years overdue, some crazy mm. earthquakes. Actually, they're just overdue. But, yeah, it's supposed to be a big one whenever it does come. Um, so, yes, you're right. Uh you know, identify the safe zone. Safe zones are sturdy pieces of furniture, structural sound places like the inside corners of a room, interior walls. Um, you want to stay away from obviously glass and windows um, and anything else that could fall on you. So uh, after identifying your safe zone, do you A, put it on the screen here, uh, do you A, Lie down next to the sturdy piece of furniture, such as the couch or a table, or go stand in a door frame. Now, this may get you. Some people have heard. Go things. stand in a door frame. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. It yeah, is no. A. You stay by the, the sturdy whole, piece of furniture. The whole door frame Shit. thing doesn't really apply. It's a misconception, unfortunately. But you've obviously heard it. I know I'd heard mm-hmm. it at one point. But yeah, uh, the door frame is. 
really not providing not, you any protection. When you think about it, yeah, it's definitely not as big as my body. Uh, the North frame would only cover about <laughs> this much of my head. <laughs> so, That's right. Yeah. See where you're going. <laughs> That's right. So often door frames are not reinforced, mm-hmm. uh, but laying down next to something really big and sturdy and is bigger than you if anything falls, it's going to hit that thing first and not hit you, which is all, which is the goal. And you're kind of creating a, if you will, this, uh, this triangle, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, the, the third piece of the triangle isn't there yet. There's your body, there's the obstacle, and then you're just waiting for whatever else is to fall to create the rest of that triangle. But that's kind of what you're going for. Um, so now you're laying next to this big ass piece of furniture that you've got in your little modest, uh, single story. And, uh, the initial shaking has stopped, right? So do you A, grab a go bag, uh, grab a go bag and supplies, or just run outside? I grab my go bag and Your supplies. Your go bag. That, yes. We talk about yes. go bags all the time around yes. here. Yes. Go bags are, uh, it's important to have something it can be a bag. It can be a backpack. It can, you know, something that's uh, always put within arm's reach. You know where it's at. The rest of the family knows where it's at. Um, because really the leading cause of death and earthquake is falling debris. That is the reason why you do not want to just go run aimlessly everywhere. Um, toppling trees, power lines. There's a whole lot of danger outside. So sometimes it's not the best decision, especially after the first big violent shake. Um so, yes, a go bag, it's got, what I always say is put life support items in it. That's, you know, your water, your food. you got bartering systems when crises mm. happen. So, you know, it could be cash, could be gold, or it could be, you know, maybe some first aid stuff. Um, but you get the point. You want that, uh, anything that provides survivability. Uh, and it's good to plan for about, you know, 72 hours, give or take. Um, because 911 is going to be really busy. All right. So you grab some items, you move towards the exit at the rear of the home and pass through the laundry room on your way to the back door. Do you A, keep moving and get the hell out of there, or B, stop for a second, okay, and uh, turn off the gas, electricity, and circuit breakers? Hmm. In multiple choice, you always go with the longer answer. So we go with B. <laughs> well, look at you, a true student. Um, yes, B, you are correct. You know, this question in theory could go either way, you know, but another one of those leading causes of disaster following an earthquake um, is fire caused by all the gas leaks. So you're kind of, you're not just helping yourself, you're kind of helping out the neighborhood in, a, in your own way. Uh, so we say, hey, you know, if you got five seconds, go ahead and turn everything off uh, to make uh, that property safe for, you know, others. Um, this will also be one less potential problem for first responders to have to deal with. Uh, now you're about to exit the home when there's another aftershock. This time you tumble over, you fall over, and debris and rumble comes down on top of you. Okay? So... Do you A, use all your strength, you are very strong, push all the rubble and debris off and escape, like you're uh, Superman or something, or B, slowly crawl and make your way towards the light, slowly removing debris and rubble? Uh, B, 
Absolutely. A, the longer mm-hmm. answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's not why. <laughs> yes, B, slowly crawl and make your way. Well, this is all about energy, right? Mm-hmm. Maintaining somewhat of, you know, if you start trying to really start pressing and pulling and pushing and giving it all you got, uh, you and I both know you're going to run out of gas. Um, yep. So removing things slowly. Uh, yeah, one, you don't want to expend all your energy. And also, uh, you don't know yet if what's on top of whatever it mm-hmm. is that's, mm-hmm. you know, there. if it's load bearing, then don't touch it. Because right. it's probably holding a bunch of other weight off of you. And if you go trying to push, pull it and get all crazy with it, uh, you might just make things worse for yourself. Okay. So as you uh, slowly move, remove material, you find yourself stuck, trapped under too much immovable debris. So do you, A, blow the whistle you grabbed, okay, in your little go bag, or B, scream for help as loud as you can? Definitely A, my whistle. Less <laughs> energy right. expenditure. That's right. And people can hear it, especially dogs. Uh, screaming will exhaust you. And by the way, it's uh, all of that breathing you'd be doing, screaming, and all that debris, they don't go well together. Mm-hmm. So maintaining a nice light breath, you know, while you're suffocating slowly uh, is a good idea. Okay. Uh, you use the whistle and a neighbor comes and pulls you out. Okay. You have blood on your face and on your hands. Do you A, search for peroxide and some bandages, or B, get the hell out of the building? B. I'm going to go with uh, B. Get the hell out of the building. You're right. Look at you. You're crushing it. Okay. If the area was safer, we would say, yeah, you'd address the wound first. But it's not. You're in. You're basically what I call on the X, and your job is to get off the X. Um, it's the place of crisis. Uh, and aftershock just buried you, so you in the building, you know, obviously unstable. Uh, so first, you get the hell out and out of the unsafe. You're outside. You have a rental car nearby across the street is an open soccer field do you a get in the car and drive away or b go to the soccer field b wide open space there we go the roads are uh likely gridlock i mean (laughs) where are you in california again (laughs) so yeah it's gridlock you know people are crazy they're everywhere um yeah the car probably wouldn't get, get you very far anyway you also have a head injury that blood and uh, uh, that you have, right. you know, yes. so yeah, you're probably not uh, in a place to be uh, driving anything. Uh, when falling debris is an issue, it's a good rule of thumb to get to those open areas because it's the safest place to be. You know, nothing's going to fall on you anytime soon. And if it's, if something's coming, you're going to see it coming. The soccer field's a great place. Um, you're now in the open field. Uh, you feel another rumble and now it's a sinkhole. And it begins to open up right there on the soccer field, okay? To your right is a large grassy hill. To your left is a parking lot. Do you A, go to the parking lot, or B, go to the hill? Hmm. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. (laughs) Um, We're going to say the hill. The hill. B. Let's see. Let's see what it says. Yes. Go to the high ground, right? Go to the high ground. Okay. You're now on top of the hill. Um, 
The blood is now coming down out of your head. Nearby, you see a bridge. And across the bridge, you see an ambulance stage. Okay? So, it's in, in help is in sight. All right? So, do you A, signal to the ambulance from where you're at, or B, cross the bridge and approach the ambulance? Mm, signal. Signal. Why? Why would you pick such a thing? The bridge is an earthquake. That doesn't seem like a good <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yes, a bridge is not a good idea. An earthquake, you got to at least be uh, have your thinking cap on. Um, knowing what's going on around you, what just happened, uh, taking in the clues and cues that are in all these different crisis environments is the most important thing you can do because a lot of times people just make bad fucking decisions and then they wonder why they end up dead injured or uh you know drinking out of a straw for the rest of their life um hey guess what you have survived this podcast good job jamie thank you thank you i tried (laughs) yes okay so for those of you that want to learn more about you follow you whatever they want to do where can people find you and find out more about yeah um social media so my instagram is really the only thing that i use um on instagram i am coach jamie but jamie is j-a-i-m-i-e so it's two eyes like my face um (laughs) but yeah instagram coach jamie i'm on there feel free to dm me message me um i post a lot of exercise videos um i've been very blessed to be around incredible people within this field. I've been very thankful and lucky to learn from some of the best out there. And I feel as though I owe other people in the community um, the information that I have gained. Uh, so I do my best to educate and um, you know share that information on a, on a free platform because um, not everyone is as fortunate as I am to, to be able to have access to that information. Yeah, there's no but doubt. You are very experienced. Everyone that's listening, she's... She's a pro at her job, a master of her craft. You can find her at Coach Jamie. And like she said, that's J-A-I-M-I-E mm-hmm. on Instagram. Go check her out. I think I'm following her. So that might be the easy button to go to my list and or who I'm following and follow from there just in case you forget. Um, Jamie, thanks for being on the show. It was awesome hanging out me. with you. Yes. Uh, and like I always say, keep it simple because crisis will complicate the rest. And until next time, be safe out there. Can You Survive This Podcast is a production of Calvary Audio and iHeartMedia. Recorded live from a secure location here in Dallas, Texas. Produced by Brandon Morgan, Jeff Apple, and Clint Emerson. Executive produced by Keegan Rosenberger and Dana Brunetti. For Calvary Audio, I'm Clint Emerson. <laughs>